Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness, is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultra light, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. I'm your host, Joe Baya, here with my co-host, Clint Flowers and Butch Theory again this week. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. Always enjoy hosting Hunting Land with you. Excellent. Folks, on today's show, we're going to be covering the second installment of our series on building a cabin. First part of the process, of course, is developing your budget, understanding what you can spend, maybe what you should spend, finding what works on your piece of property. The next step in that process, once you understand how much you can spend, then you need to think about where are you going to put this cabin? That can be kind of a hard thing to decide on depending on your property. You know, Clint, you and I are both going through this right now, but you've gone through this before. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm kind of torn right now, Clint. I've got two potential building spots on my property. One spot, very easily accessible, so not hard to get into, but nothing really that aesthetically pleasing about it. It's not unattractive. It's just not somewhere you're going to go sit on the porch and ooh and ah. Then I've got another spot on my property that is that spot. It's that spot you could just enjoy sitting there, but not nearly as accessible. It's going to be more expensive to build there. So what's the first step for somebody? If they're thinking about site selection, what are the factors that you weigh in? And when you're talking to somebody, they're trying to decide where they should build. What do you try to have them ask themselves? Uh, it's like a lot of things we've discussed with land is, you know, what what's your goal? Is it budget driven? Is it emotionally driven where you want that essence of the, this is our place, that family place, those views, those sounds, whatever it is you're chasing, or do you just want the fastest, easiest spot to get a structure in that you can get out of the weather. Yeah. And there's probably like we talk about with difference between, you know, timber production and and wildlife habitat, there's a continuum there that everybody falls on. And, you know, like for me, I, I know I'm certainly on the emotional side of it. You know, I want that spot that I can sit on the back porch and enjoy a cup of coffee and, and just really relax and feel like I'm getting away from it all. What else comes into play there if somebody doesn't really know where they are on that continuum? How how can you help them decide? Well, I mean, you've got questions you want to ask yourself, you know, primarily who's going to be coming with you? Is it going to be, you know, always boys weekends or boys trips where you've got your college buddies or your work buddies or whoever coming with you who are really 
you know, they come in, eat, sleep, hunt, eat, sleep, hunt, eat, sleep, hunt. This is not a, whatever downtime is theirs is planning on the next hunt. There's not going to be a lot of scenery admiration going on. You know, nobody's admiring the sound of the creek running in the background, that kind of thing. They're just focused on getting back out. Or is this going to be kind of a family setting or an entertainment setting to where you're going to have some people that come with you who aren't those driven hunters who they are going to sleep in and they are, they don't hunt at all. And they want to, you know, just relax and enjoy a scenic location and the, and the views and sounds of nature. Usually for most people, it's a blend of the two. So you just want to really focus on that. Who's going to come with you? Who's going to enjoy this with you and make sure it's something that, you know, that fits that mold. Yeah. And I think too, like you're saying is if you are only going to be bringing people up there that are focused on the hunt and they're just in and out, that's just a place to crash. It's just a place to get a bite to eat. Maybe going with that most accessible spot. That's the cheapest to get a structure established is the right plan. But then you also got to think about it, Are you planning to sell this property? Because if you're planning to hold on to this property for a few years, maybe flip it and get into a bigger property. It's not your forever place. Then I think you got to be thinking about, well, this may be good for me, but what's that next buyer going to want? So when it comes to resale, have you ever seen a situation, you know, where somebody, they look at a property and they, they, it's got an easily accessible, you know, cabin site or a cabin in place or something like that. And they go, yeah, it's just, I just don't really like where they put that and they want to move on and look at the next property. Yeah. If they've got the availability to look at multiple tracks and they're not fighting an inventory issue the way we are right now, then they're typically going to choose the option that's got the more scenic location, family driven setup. It's got that wow factor at that point. That's right. I mean, it's just got the romance. I mean, that's when you pull in, you know, you see the lake or the river or the creek or the just the scenic view of the bottom or pasture or field, whatever you're overlooking, sunset, sunrises, whatever the that thing is on that property that that gives you that wow factor Butch is talking about. That's that's typically what they prefer more times than not. You know, usually if you've got somebody that wants to end up with that, but this property's got the the budget driven location right now, then a lot of times they'll look at that and say, Well, that's gonna we'll use that for now, but it's gonna be temporary. Yeah. Either I'm going to move it to the scenic spot or I'm going to go build my forever place on the scenic spot and we'll use this for rollover or for a barn or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I'm kind of in that situation. You know, I've got like an old homestead on my property and, and it's going to cost me almost nothing to establish u- utilities in that spot. And so for a temporary campsite, hey, get utilities in there. That makes it that much easier. It's kind of a no-brainer, but I know down the line that's going to be not where we are permanently. So I'm I'm just kind of thinking like, hey, I don't want to invest a ton of money in that spot because I'd rather invest that money down in helping me get that other spot accessible and, and set up. And, you know, that's one of the things too, I think about a lot of guys, maybe they're buying their first piece of land or, you know, they've got a spot like that we're talking about and they're thinking about building a cabin, but they don't know what other people want. They just know what, like, they're fine. Like, yeah, man, we'll just move a mobile home right in there and we're good to go. You know I mean? Like they're not necessarily able to see what other people want. So when you think about an awesome site selection, what are some of the things that you want to make sure that site has or doesn't have that gives it that wow factor Butch is talking about? Really, it's just kind of how it makes you feel when you pull up to it. Like I said, it, it's every site is going to be different as far as what you're driving to when you get there, you know, whether it's a, a scenic overlook or a, or a water feature or what have you. So it's, you know, finding that spot that you can get that feeling, but still have it be accessible to all of your guests. So, you know, if you're going to have some guests coming in with vehicles that aren't set up, you know, for off-roading or muddy roads or wet weather, 
then you still got to make sure that you've got something they can get into easy. But also once you get there, that you've just got that feeling that you were shooting for us. You know, the reason you bought the land in the first place, which is I'm here, I can unplug, I can relax, I can enjoy it. I am getting that emotional return of this property. And there's a couple of things that I think about there is, you know, what kind of road are you on? Are you on a very public road? I've, I've been to your spot, Joe. And I mean, if you were to build a cabin there or put in a temporary or a permanent housing structure, you could see it from a pretty busy road. I think you have to think about that too, as far as being hidden a little bit, don't you? Yeah. I mean, that comes back to the, you know, the return of this. One reason you buy land like this many times is to get away, you know, to be isolated. And if you're sitting there right on the road and, and hearing or seeing that traffic come by, made yeah. a lateral move, leaving the city. And then plus you don't have the privacy and things like that you were shooting for when you get out in the woods to start with. Yeah. yeah something else I think about there. And Joe, I know you don't have to really worry about this because you'd rather drink coffee than hunt. But you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're at a spot to where you can literally pull in the gate, put the car in the carport or in the driveway and then access your property, you know, via golf cart or anything like that. But if your scenic overlook or your, you know, your wow factor places, you have to drive right past all of your green fields and several of your hunting spots to get to it. That would be a factor for me being a, you know, avid hunter. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, Butch, you know, like think about your place, for example, shoot the daggum deer, walk right up to the, uh, <laughs> that's true. Right up to the back porch, you know, Clint, yeah. I, I know I've been to your spot too. And it's kind of like the same deal. I mean, y'all see deer right there around the camp and it doesn't seem to affect game movement that much. No, I've been on properties. It seems like the more you're on the property, the less it matters. They get used to those vehicles. And they I get definitely think they get used to, to human so, stuff. Is that a factor for you? Like, are you even thinking about the hunting aspects when you're thinking about site, selecting a site for a cabin and, and like, how's this going to affect my ingress and egress? Or are you kind of like, nah, this is a pretty spot. Whatever effect this has on the hunting is going to be nullified by the fact that we got this awesome campsite. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think if you've got the, the site that gives you that again, emotional return there that helps you, you know, find that level of Zen, so to speak, when you get there, the, the game will, will get used to it. And more times than not, you're, you know, it's not like you're back and forth three times a day. You're going to come in there one time plant. And from then on, you're on your buggy or on whatever you need. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not there. And it's not going to be like a an old truck with glass packs running through the property every morning <laughs> and afternoon. That's so, true. Um, you know, so that's like our property. I mean, we drive, I don't know, half a mile, three quarters of a mile through the property to get to the camp. It's, it's on the Creek back there on the big water and our driveway field, as we call it, is one of the most productive fields on the entire property for big bucks. And it's primarily not because of our traffic or lack of it's because a lot of people go, Oh, that's a driveway field. I don't, I, you know, it's we're not going to sit hole. there. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, that's where well, no, press, no pressure. Yeah, those bucks know they're not hunted there because nobody's ever there. So they, you know, that's what they really feel is the hunting pressure. It's not somebody right. coming in or out with a truck. And then, so they, they come in to the driveway field. So the people who will get out of their own head on that and sit there, they kill the biggest bucks consistently walking distance from the camp. Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta agree with that. Same thing on our place. <clears throat> those two big green fields that are closest to our camp. I just think those deer are just used to it. Used to you beating and banging at the camp and you're right. They don't really care. I don't think. I just think it's a psychological thing for me. Absolutely you know, it's like, agree. I just kind of feel like I need to be less visible and more secretive and, you know, slip around everywhere. But I mean, they just get used to you as much as you maybe don't want to admit it. I think they do. So. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. 
the hunting exchange. In this day and age, we all know it is a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the hunting exchange steps in. The hunting exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal. And as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms and listing items is also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or knives. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And also by Boaters List. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes this easy and easy to find the service you are looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. Boaterslist.com will always strive to make it better on the water. Talking about that access. So it, it almost seems like, it just seems like without fail that the, the more scenic spot, the more the spot that's got the wow factor is always less accessible. It's like, it's never oh, yeah. the, in the easy spot. So where would you draw the line? If I mean, I'll just use myself as example. It's the difference between putting in maybe 75 yards of a gravel driveway and 500 yards gravel road. And then I'm going to have to run utilities the same distance. The cost of building the cabin is going to be the same, whether I put it down there or, you know, unless there's some kind of major foundation, you know, thing that I've got to do, but just the access alone is going to be significantly more expensive to put it in that scenic spot on, on my place. So where do you start to draw the line and say, Hey, on this particular property, it may just not be worth it. Or, or is there even a line to be drawn? Is it just based on what you want? Well, it's based on your goals and your plans. Like if it's going to, you know, I'm buying this property. I'm not going to sell it. My kids are going to sell it if they want to, when they inherit it, when I'm gone, then it's your budget on that gets pretty loose because your return on that property is not budget driven at that point. It's emotional. When you get there, this is my spot. This is going to be my spot till I'm gone. You want to be where you want to be. Now there's financial limits to that too and feasibility limits. So you, you still got to, you know, get in there, get your road building quotes, get your utility quotes. If you got to drag a power line through there, or you've got to get an easement agreement for somebody to bring a power line across another property into there. If you care about power, you know, there's so many solar and generator options these days, the importance of power is, is waning, but you know, and then what kind of foundation issues you got to deal with there can you be peering beam do you have to can you be a slab does it have to be on pylons are you going to deal with any flood insurance requirements if you're on the water all that kind of stuff to really try to find that sweet spot of it being financially feasible logistically feasible in terms of can the equipment get in there to do the work that needs to be done is it going to be something you're going to have to wait on it a year to be dry enough to get in there and, and do this stuff so you got some time factors that come into the certain sites too and then really, you know, we've talked a lot about in the past about how people from a resale factor, if that is in your plans or in your future, what is the per acre cost of that against the whole? Even though that from an appraisal standpoint doesn't make a lot of sense, that's still how most buyers think and frame land 
even with improvements. So if you've got a bigger track with more acreage, then a higher level of expense for your site or for your cabin or your lodge gets spread over more acres. So it has less of an effect on your overall basis. If you've got a smaller track and you know the cabin is going to cost about the same as it would on a larger track, then it drives your cost per acre higher. So that just makes a higher rate that you've got to recover to, you know, to make a profit or to break even on that property, depending on what your goals are. Yeah. And then the challenge on, on the side, like I always think of things like for myself, like looking at my property, I don't ever plan to sell my property. It's got sentimental value to me. I'm planning on keeping it. And like you said, hopefully the, you know, the boys will have it one day and they can do whatever they want to do with it when I'm gone. But you know, my thought process on it is I want to set this place up so that we get maximum enjoyment at the same time. You never know what life has in store for you. So I don't want to set it up such that we take a bath on it if we had to get rid of it or, or needed to get rid of it or wanted to get rid of it for some unforeseen reason. So I kind of look at that and say, all right, if it's going to cost you $5,000 to access one spot and $50,000 to access another spot, well, if you got 200 acres of land, One's costing you $40 an acre and one's costing you $400 an acre. If you got a thousand acres of land, then it's a whole lot less per acre. And all that has to be factored in when you're thinking about resale is like you said, is where is this going to put the pricing of the property in relation to other properties that are on the market? So thinking about that a little bit, Clint, right now, some of that's getting thrown out the door a little bit, I'd say. Oh, it's a lot. You know, we used to be in this situation where, and we may go back to it, but at least right now. Three years ago, four years ago, it would cost you about $150 a square foot to build a nice lodge or cabin that was pretty well appointed. Majority wood finishes, things like that, wood walls, not a lot of sheetrock. And as soon as you finished, it would promptly be worth $75 to $85 a square foot from an appraisal standpoint. Right. It's just how it works. So, I mean, same way with our, our camp, it was 150 to 200 foot. And, but we knew that. So our, we, our, you know, to us, you know, our return is going to be in the use of it, not because we're planning to make money off of it. Um, so, but now, you know, I got a quote last week just to build a pretty low end building with vinyl plank floors and hardy board siding. And it was anywhere between 200 and $260 a square foot. Wow. And that was locally. That didn't count taking it out into a rural setting where you've got even less builders to try to compete for that site. So now if you can get a cost effective rate to build something, you've pretty much got equity built in immediately now rather than the opposite, which is what we faced, you know, four or five years ago. So there's some, you know, some pros to that too. Yeah, I saw some stats. It's telling of what's happening not only in in the land business and the build in the world of building, but you know, they said any given day there's about 3 million cars on lots in the United States of America. And right now we're at about 800,000. So we're sitting at about 30% of normal capacity. Demand hasn't necessarily gone down or up. It's the same amount of demand, but they're competing for 70% less cars. So what do you think is going to happen to the price of cars? Same thing with labor. Uh, 2019, we had about 5.5 million people that did not work in the United States of America. In 2020, about 6.9 million people did not work. And it's, it's down a little bit from that for 2021, but still up from 2019. So you got less people doing work. That's taking more time to bring products to market, which is creating low inventory in lots of areas of the supply chain. What do you think is going to happen if demand stays the same and inventory goes down, price goes up? So if it's there and done, that's worth a lot more than having to start from scratch. Yeah. And we're seeing that a, a good bit uh, just in land sales right now. Yeah. 
Time so, value has a lot more effect on people these days than it used to. I mean, it used to be that I could go get a builder and do this myself and it'll take six months or what have you because those builders were there or that material was there, that labor was there. Now it's not. Those same people aren't standing there or they're booked out for two years. Right. So if you can walk into a turnkey setting, people will pay extra for that. I mean, I just contracted a track yesterday, 10% over asking price. And with five competing offers, one bailed out the last minute once he found out about all the others, but the fifth one was coming. And we were priced 35%, 40% over comps to start with, and then ended up contracting 10% over asking. So that's almost a 50% total rise over comps inside of, of basically a, a couple years. Right. Um, and we were already, the comps were already elevated for the market that's been improving over the last couple of years. So people pay for that convenience of having something turnkey and that's always been there but it's never been there the way it is today all right so i want to go back a little bit and talk to clint about what's right for you and also as far as like you're talking about turnkey being super hot right now if you're looking for something or if you're buying a place say you want to make some money on it um, and you're you're really focused in on resale what are some templates or some turn-ons and turn-offs you say all right if you really want to make money on this property you got to go with the aesthetics or or anything like that like what boxes would you check as an investor so what you're looking for there is something that that gives some romance but without really coming in too strong on the budget to get there if you've got utilities on either on site or at your your boundary line like if you're at the on a public road and you've got power there water there what have you uh look at something that gets you in there out of sight of the road enough off of it you don't have to worry about hearing a lot of traffic things like that be isolated if somebody doesn't want to be seen they're not seen has enough room to create a site where you've got a little leg room for parking for you know outside fires you know grilling frying whatever you're going to do out there uh and that's it and then that way it checks all the major boxes for for really anybody that's looking to get into that setting and then We'll get into it later, but then just don't overdo the improvements. And that way, if somebody doesn't like that site and they want to go to another site on the property that's more scenic, then they've got that opportunity without having to spend so much up front. What about, there's two kind of wow factor things I think I see a lot of, and that is if you can have some kind of a water feature, look for that. I mean, if you've got a stream, a creek, it doesn't have to be an amazing roaring river or anything like that. It just could be some kind of water movement or just a pond or anything that gives somebody water and a view. I think if you've got that option, go there too. The question though also becomes like thinking about floodplains and setting up that spot. So where do you lie in that regard, Clint? If you've got a, you know, maybe a, a creekside spot uh, that you could set up a camp or you've got that is isolated and you've got a spot that's not on the water, that's also isolated and has all the same qualities you were just talking about. If one was in a floodplain and one was not, what do you think you'd pick? Probably the not. I mean, if again, depending on what it's going to take, you know, and the, really the cheapest improvement you can do is just apply some doja work in front of the cabin site and clear out a big, you know, couple acres or so area where a wildlife observation area where somebody can plant it up, have some feeders, a feeder, big light, and everybody can sit on the back porch and watch the deer come up and feed at night and the turkeys and things like that. And that's cheap. Okay. Doja work is the cheapest improvement you can make on a piece of property and done effectively. It will always make money. If you've got the ability to install a water feature and be there on it, then great. 
but not all of us have that opportunity to do that cost effectively. And mm-hmm. if we're talking about cost effective options, just clearing that wildlife observation area around the, the camp, the cabin is going to be the way to go. I'm glad you brought up dozer work, Clint. Given the choice to clear or not to clear, when you're talking about selecting a site, you've got that site, right? You're isolated. You're not visible. You're establishing, you've established access or establishing access. When, once you've got that site in place, do you want to leave the vegetation that's there as much as possible? Or what's your thoughts on actually just clearing it all out, starting fresh or, or trying to kind of incorporate your cabin into the landscape? It really depends on the site. When I was growing up, we, the first camp we ever built, we didn't have power, wasn't financially feasible to get it. So we built this, I think it was about 25 by 40 cabin. We were on a big Creek. So we were a little worried about the water. So we put it about five feet off the ground, you know, just enough height. You could store some stuff under it. We had gutters on the side that caught rainwater, went into a 600 gallon cistern. That was our water source. We had propane lines run through the walls service the stove and we had some lanterns built in it was well insulated and then we heated the whole place with a wood burning stove you know it was awesome you know especially as a kid because when you get there you got to turn everything on so the only time we ever had to run the generator was to run the pump for the water and then we ran it through a charcoal and a sand filter that ran our shower sinks things like that so and, and what we did there we had a nice scenic setting inside some big hardwood we cleared out just enough trees to fit that in there and that's it, you know, and park a few vehicles, but that's it. And so if we wanted to put out feeders and stuff, because that understory was already pretty clean, uh, you put the feeders out and you could watch the game, you know, from the camp without having to, you know, do a lot of clearing. But, you know, if that setting would have been inside a young timber, like, you know, young pine plantation or something where we're just staring at this green wall and will be for 20 years, then, yeah, I'm going to put a dozer out there and I'm going to clear me a big field so I can see stuff. And that's what we did at our current site um, that we built, you know, as our family grew, we had to have a bigger camp. And so we built one there that was more what I call wife friendly uh, setup and where we've got, we're overlooking the same big Creek out front, but we didn't have anything behind us. So we went in and cleared a few acres behind us so that we could have a wildlife observation area off the back. So we've got water on the front and field off the back. And it was because there wasn't that kind of view. So it's, it's just really comes down to the site. If you've got something seen there already, don't interfere with it. Just enhance it, support it. But if you don't have that, then sure, get in there and clear that opening. Clint, if somebody wants to do this on their place, they've still got questions, reach out to somebody like you, like me. You know, We're happy to t- look at a spot and advise and also just refer you to folks that can help you along the way, whether that's building roads or getting dozer work done or uh, just contracting out these services, but I think we covered it all in terms of site selection, but we want to hear from you guys. Uh, we want to hear what you think, what's important to you, what gives it that wow factor that we're talking about. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this show. We're going to be covering the rest of our series on building a cabin. Uh, y'all stay tuned for the next installment. Well, folks, that is going to wrap it up this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic, 
that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land Show is brought to you by MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds are constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. Call Kevin today for more information or quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And also brought to you by... Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. And also Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also buy Brush Clearing Services. Are you interested in building a healthy, sustainable habitat for a wide range of wildlife? If so, Brush Clearing Services and their 20 years of wildlife management experience should be your first choice. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706 718-1690. And also, Great Days Outdoors, the South's finest hunting and fishing magazine. Pick up your copy wherever magazines are sold or check them out at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588.